Welcome back to another message of biblical inspiration, motivation, and teaching from the Word of God. If this is your first time joining the MANA community, we encourage you to subscribe, let us know you're here, and how God has blessed you today. Have you ever taken a wrong turn or missed an exit causing you to take much longer than planned to get somewhere? I know I have, and it's not fun, not at all. The good thing is, though, we're not the first nor the last to do so. Did you know the distance between where the Israelites started and the promised land they were destined for should have taken them two weeks of travel? But it took them 40 years instead. What? Yeah, brothers and sisters, that's a lot of missed exits. But why? Let me set the stage. Israel is set free from slavery in Egypt, which they'd been there for hundreds of years, and it's a big deal. Moses leads the Israelites through the Red Sea. It's a miraculous event by the hand of God himself. And the people are finally free from slavery completely. Now, at the beginning of the book of Numbers, Moses is commanded to take a census of the people who will be led into the land of Canaan. This is where the title Numbers comes from. This is the promised land, the destiny, the whole reason why they left. So no different than our military or government does today, they sent spies into the land of the Canaanites to survey and collect some intel. Now, I'm not sure how much intel and reconnaissance you need ahead of time when God just opened the entire Red Sea for you, but who are we to judge, right? I'll get back to that. But despite that, you won't believe what happened. The majority of the spies were frightened by the Canaanites and encouraged Moses, Aaron, and the people that it was not safe to enter. This is the promised land that God had promised to them. Here's how the spies sounded when they got back to the people. Now, I'm referencing, not quoting here, in Numbers chapter 13, verse 28, 32 through 33. The exaggerated tone of their negative report shows when they said things like, very great, the land eateth up the inhabitants thereof, or all the people are men of great statue, and we saw the giants, and we were as grasshoppers. Over the top, right? Now, let you and I stop and acknowledge here for a moment, just a moment. Aren't we guilty of the same thing they did? Aren't we guilty of forgetting all the blessings God has already given to us to only be worried about tomorrow? But how will I pay this doctor bill? I can't apply for that job. I can't get over my illness. I don't know how I'll get through this. And we forget that God has already promised us all we need according to his riches and glory. But there were two spies out of the bunch, one named Joshua and the other named Caleb. And they told the people that God would be with them, and they were confident about entering the land. But in Numbers 14, your Bible says, No one believed them, and even threatened to stone them for believing they would be okay. Well, that's not helpful at all, is it? So again, as we discussed throughout this series and all throughout Numbers, the people of God rebelled and complained just like you and I still do today. So God gave them exactly what they wanted, not to enter the promised land, and then cursed them with 40 years of wilderness wandering. 
and that first generation of the Hebrew people that were delivered out of Egypt, out of slavery, led by the pillar of fire, walked on dry ground across the Red Sea, all of that, they never saw a blade of grass in the promised land. Unfortunately, as I mentioned before, there were many missed exits and wrong turns to turn a two-week trip into 40 years. So we're not done just yet. Listen to this. When the Israelites reached Mount Hor, here's what they said in Numbers chapter 21, verse 5 through 6. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many people of Israel died. Just as they'd done before, they complained and God brought punishment. But then they repented for sinning against God and Moses. So Moses prayed for the people, and God answered them. In your Bible, the Lord said to Moses in Numbers 21 verse 8, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. No different than your and my life today, the mercy and grace of God never fails. And although the people had sinned against him, he had mercy on them and gave them a way out. And I'm here to tell you, no matter what you've done, said, thought, harbored in your heart against God, he is still able and wanting to give you too a way out. So anyone who looked upon this symbol was instantly saved. And it's important to note that this symbol was pointing to a greater savior. You know who I'm talking about, the Messiah, who we know as Jesus Christ today. Here's some symbolism for you to understand more clearly the picture that I'm painting here. Like the serpent being lifted up in this story, taking upon itself all of that sin, when we find refuge in Jesus Christ, we too are saved like the Israelite as we repent and turn our trust to our Savior. The Bible says so right here in John chapter 3, verse 14 through 15. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whomever believes in him will have eternal life. The Israelites in the book of Numbers went through such hardships. It must have not been an easy journey for them, but they, they kept on complaining instead of placing their trust in God who delivered them. The book of Numbers is also a book that represents the walk we as Christians take today constantly finding ourselves in a strange and dry land and evil land where we clearly feel like we don't belong. Because of our humaneness, we are faced with desires to satisfy the flesh, making us unappreciative of the gifts and blessings God has placed in our lives for the very moment we think the worst is the worst. But where we find peace and refuge matters. The Israelites knew the promised land was just around the corner and that they would finally be free. But instead of looking forward to that, they couldn't help but compare their current situation to the past where they were in Egypt. So they were so willing to run back to Egypt, back to their slavery, just like us who run back to our sin and our enslavement to it because we think it's the right place since we were so comfortable there. 
It says just that in Numbers 14, verse 4. And they said to one another, Let us make a captain, and let us return to Egypt. But we need to find refuge in the promised land, the eternal life, in the promised King Jesus Christ, who was giving us more than we could ever ask for. Listen to David in Psalms chapter 142, verse 5. I cry to you, O Lord, I say. You are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. In the meantime, we're here, stuck, wandering in our own wilderness. But there is a city beyond this one. There is a kingdom with a promised righteous king who loves us and who cares for us, who will quiet our pain, dry our tears, and give us the freedom and victory from evil. In Numbers chapter 35, verse 13, your Bible says, And the cities that you give shall be your six cities of refuge. We need to learn to look to him in times like these. Becoming a follower of Jesus means you are a citizen of his kingdom. Here's where it says so in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, let's change. Let's truly change and truly see who Jesus is. He is our refuge, our hope, and our promise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.